That way, since he'll be on both, I'll just be able to cut out the audio. I'm recording for Did that work? Do you yes. want another you want another clap? Uh, if you want to do another clap, I won't be against it, but I think we're I think we're good. Alright, perfect. Everybody, welcome back to Better Radio. I'm Brian. And I'm Liam. And Liam, we are joined from a very special guest. Yes, a man yes, we by are. the name of Rusty Shackelford. Mm. He is a person who's involved in media in New York City, and he is an early adopter of fleeing New York City from the pandemic. Is that right, Rusty? Yeah, that's correct. And there's one was, uh, more thing that you are that I completely am blanking on. Can you can you tell us a little oh, bit more just, about um, yourself? So I'm a craft beer enthusiast, ah, and it. by that I mean I drink far too much craft beer. <laughs> but um, even with the pandemic, I've managed to survive. Instacart has been a lifesaver. Oh, I used to have to yeah. hound bodegas, but it's working out all right. Oh, that's that's awesome. So Rusty's here to help us break down probably the biggest story in the podcasting world right now, and that's the controversy surrounding Barstool and the Call Her Daddy podcast. That's right. Um, I really think that the story is a monumental media, just a bit of a catastrophe for certain parties, but uh, quite a boon for uh, the podcast world to talk about. All right. Well, so for those of you who don't know, Caller Daddy is an extremely popular podcast under the Barstool Sports banner. Um, We're an independent podcast, and after a few episodes, we're actually acquired by Barstool and they signed a contract and Rusty how how was that contract would you say for the ladies who host the show so the thing about their initial contract is it made a lot of sense if you if you know you're starting out their podcast obviously had a really strong year which led to the negotiations that led to where we are now but as someone who's coming in you have this product and you need Barstool's marketing acumen to really make it take off, it was a pretty standard contract. Like, I mean, the money, I think it was what, uh, they started out at 75000 a year or something like that, plus mm-hmm. incentives. Yeah, um, for, might have been like, even a little less than that. Bonuses for With, downloads, stuff like that. Yeah, options, you know, for, uh, you know, a renegotiation each year, that sort of thing. And it makes sense because how many people start a podcast and it flops, right? I was part of a podcast that flopped. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that I didn't get paid more because that would have been a poor judgment by my employer at, employer at the time. <laughs> Barstool, I mean, I mean, really, Barstool is very savvy though. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably, you know, Dave Portnoy probably saw the talent. He saw the, the, you know, you have two attractive women willing to just throw all of their, you know, raunchy stories mm-hmm. out there, exploit themselves for views. Right, and it was beautiful. It worked. Um, and also it helped expand their female audience, which mm-hmm. is something that Barstool has traditionally not had as big of an audience as their male one. Yeah. Could I, uh, yeah, can I just interject here real quick? Uh, you mentioned that Call Her Daddy had a successful first run before Barstool picked it up. Could you, do you have any insight as to what that is? Uh, as a stand-up comedian, um, I know too many people with podcasts. <laughs> So I'm curious as to what is considered a successful year. So, and this is where it does get a little complicated, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there is a podcast bubble. There's the idea that everyone has a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that's true. It's similar to when YouTube became popular and suddenly you had multiple vlogging channels. And those who were the first ones, you know, like PewDiePie, for example, right. really dominated because mm -hmm. they were there first, right? It's like a digital gold rush, you know, running into California, you know, digging up the gold and stuff. You were there first, you get the gold. Mm -hmm. Same thing for podcasts. Barstool was there very early on. I remember looking at Barstool when it was a terrible, awful eyesore website, right. uh, you know, like 2007. Mm -hmm. And they've just been here so long that they really know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So when you're, I'm saying it's a successful first year, it was successful in part because they had such a big, well, big-ish organization behind them. Mm -hmm. An organization that has a, a very good understanding of social media content how to push that content, you know, sometimes you get organic views, sometimes you pay for views, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we all do that if you need to, you know, expand your audience. And speaking of, that's the biggest thing Barcelona brings to the table. Not traffic, an audience. Mm -hmm. Traffic is fleeting. You can buy traffic from India. You can buy traffic right. from wherever. You know, mm -hmm. no one cares about that. Advertisers do not pay for that. Okay. Barstool has an audience, which means people come back over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And that means that you can go to an advertiser, uh, you know, in this case, let's say I think Roman is one that I heard on their podcast a lot, which is like a sex thing, right. and say, look, we have men age 18 to 24 who are going to come to our website, you know, go, go listen to Call Her Daddy every single week, dedicated ears, and they trust these people, mm -hmm. which is a big part of social media too. That is so valuable. And right. so you take that and you put that that Death Star, you know, and put it behind <laughs> these two women who are essentially unknowns. Mm -hmm. And they put out content that appealed to the Barstool demographic, right? right? Um, and that essentially, that's why this first season was successful, um, in my opinion, right? I mean, I'm not a genius. I don't know everything mm -hmm. about this. I only kind of caught on to it recently to really right. delve into it. But that's what is different between this podcast being successful and anyone else starting up a podcast, right? Yeah, absolutely. Liam, you're a man, age 18 to 25, the target demo for Barstool. In like your... I thought that was vibrators. I thought we were talking the target demo for vibrators. Target demo for vibrators, of course. Right. Uh, man, 18 to 25. Gotcha. Now, um, so how is Barstool kind of perceived like with people your age, your friends, you know, the circles you might run in? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar with the uh, work, uh, the Bible? Yeah, uh, you know, I've I've heard about the Bible. Rusty, are you are you familiar? Um, I am, and uh, all things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. Of course, sure. of course. absolutely. Got to write that down. It was written. Uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah, definitely. It uh, Barstool Sports. Mm -hmm. A lot of people I went to college with, right? Uh, big fans of Barstool Sports, right? I uh, was late to the party, I would say, uh, yeah. as far as uh, absorbing the content, but everything mm -hmm. I saw... Well, you're not a huge sports guy, right? So. Yeah, I suck. So that's kind of why I don't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have any basic familiarity with the brand mm -hmm. uh, until someone kind of pitched it to me uh, and explained, you know, it's, it's a little bit more of an attitude to it, more of an edge to it, mm -hmm. it's funny. And I was like, oh, I can get into that. And then they sent me a couple articles, and I'm like, oh, this is funny. Right. Yeah. And ever since then, I, I've gotten three tattoos. Um, I got right. a Call Her Daddy tattoo. Mm -hmm. And I... Yeah, just a stamp tramp. Yeah, yeah. maybe I can it's turn it... It's tasteful, though, I feel like. It's a Mount Rushmore or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You don't have to get rid of Alex um, now. But Sophia's face at least can stay. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, 
So yeah, obviously, like Liam was saying, you know, it's it's kind of a bro website. So I think having the Collar Daddy crew, the the duo, really helped them tap into a market that maybe they never would have been able to preach otherwise. Is that fair to say, Rusty? Uh, perhaps. I mean, the one thing, and this is me, I'm looking at influencer, uh, to just like look at stats and that looks at like YouTube and Instagram Mm -hmm. and Twitter. I think it doesn't look at their, you know, their podcast stats. This is just like the podcast stuff they put on YouTube or whatever. And it looks like it has about like, it's like 25% female audience and the rest are male, right? Depending on the age group, Mm. um, which Sounds bad for a, a podcast that seems like it is marketed towards sorority girls in college, mm-hmm. but compared to your flagship barstool channels, uh, barstool game time and a few others, who have almost no female <laughs> uh, viewership, as far as I can tell, and this is me just going off the public stuff I've seen, mm-hmm. it is a big step in gaining that audience, which is very valuable, um, and it's it's. It's fascinating when you look at the recent drama about the contract and how much money they were offered. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to wonder how much money they were making uh, with direct ad deals. Because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, their contract offer, as I'm sure you'll talk about here in a minute, was absolutely massive. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess we can kind of go off that. So Alex and Sophia, they have this podcast. It's acquired by Barstool, you said. Um, and, you know, it's been reported their initial contract was for about $75,000 a piece um, with incentives based on downloads. They exceeded, you know, all expectations. So they were given a raise um, around Christmas time. This is all like, I feel like such a gossip going through this, but this is, you know, what what we've heard through all the tabloids and back channels as well as uh dave portnoy taking over their feed which was an interesting moment in all this um and basically they were both bumped much higher um and sophia was actually as the editor of the podcast given more money which is not something that was known to her co-host but that that will come later so is it normal for I guess, companies to renegotiate contracts after they're already like set in stone like this. They were only a few months into a three-year deal and they were given, you know, more money based on their performance. Basically, when Barstool upped how much money they were making, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, during the initial part of the contract, that's a smart move by Barstool. Because in New York City, if you're an underpaid, on-the-rise influencer, you have options. So Barstool was essentially seeing the future, that this podcast could do really well, Mm. and they wanted to keep them, right? Right. So you pay them. Because when people feel like they're underpaid, they look for ways to leave, which is essentially what happened later on down the line. Mm -hmm. And as far, you know, as Sophia uh, getting paid more to edit... Mm. um, that makes so much sense. So much oh, sense course, to me. Yeah. I, I, I mean, um, I can understand why there would be a problem between the two over it. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe, and this is again, I'm, I'm, you know, painting all this together. I could be wrong. Tell mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. Alex pitched the podcast idea to Sophia. Yes. And then they did the first initial ones, and then you know, pitched to Barstool. Mm-hmm. So Alex probably had this idea that it was her IP right. that she pitched, that she was the one behind the intellectual property. Mm-hmm. She had the idea, right? Right. Sophia, her background was vlogging before all of this, mm-hmm. which means that she probably understood Adobe Creative Suite. She understood editing a little bit. 
that is a huge, huge asset in, you know, essentially low budget content creation world. Right. right of course. Like, yeah, like anybody, any schmo, you can probably get them off the street and make them entertaining. You know, you get a bunch of uh, animals in a room and they'll write Shakespeare. But (laughs) having technical skills Mm -hmm. is incredibly valuable. And I, you know, personally, at least that's how I am where I am today. Mm -hmm. If I was just a guy who could write stuff, I'd be broke. But because I can actually edit and use After Effects and, you know, do all this stuff myself, Mm -hmm. it's a huge, huge thing. So her getting paid more, I think, was completely understandable. But I also get why she didn't tell Alex. Yeah, it's definitely a complicated situation. Um, and obviously, I don't want to get into their friendship or any of like psychoanalyzing that. It's She definitely did deserve more, but it's a tough situation. Can I interject? Absolutely. Uh, well, I don't really care about you know not interjecting on other people's uh, problems or situations at all. <laughs> Liam will talk I, shit. He doesn't care. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. Mm. So, Rusty, my man. Yep. My understanding is that Barstool, obviously kind of being the parent entity here to the brand of Call Our Daddy, kind of like a a record label would sign an artist, right? Similar relationship? They give them the money, they reach a larger um, audience? I would say, I would say no, initially, no. because usually when you have an artist signing with a record label, mm-hmm. the artist kind of knows their value in a rough way right like you know you have like um uh taylor swift knowing she's an amazing artist and her dad's in the industry and eventually she'll make it somewhere right and her initial deal wasn't as beneficial to her as she would have hoped but it was still Mm. like really good and predicated on her as sort of an independent contractor right right what Mm. a lot of people want uh in new york city if you're early on is what's considered a staff position right Mm. so i'm and i could be wrong here i'm pretty sure i i do have this kind of correct what they had was essentially a staff position at barstool sports to make this podcast right um which means it's guaranteed money right Mm -hmm. and benefits and all the other fun good stuff that you don't get if you're just freelancing working on film sets or if you're an actress doing gigs uh so that's where i'd say the difference was and but you're right the thing that happened recently was essentially they were recognizing how much they were worth and trying to shift their contract from being like a staff employee to being more like a record label uh, signee, you know, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. That Yeah, that certainly would make sense to me, just as like an outsider uh, trying to figure out how that industry works. Uh, that It's a talent, right? You're signing a talent almost for a job that they're expected to uh, reach the, you know, essential uh, requirements for. And when they grow, um, yeah. sorry, keep going, Russ, didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, no. Sorry, I was trying to thought you were uh, calling it there for a second. I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, but I was going to say, yeah, that's um, that's kind of what they were going for was the idea that they could, you know, do other stuff. They could go on other shows. And if they had the intellectual property rights, which was the biggest part of that contract, which uh, Sophia mentioned in her um, 30 minute vlog about all this, mm-hmm. they could take the show and move it essentially to another network which would be the older parlance for this, but right. it would, you know, move somewhere else where that would be. I don't know. I know that if you say you have an audience and you do, and you have talent, which they have some talent. And mm. I know there's debate, like, is it good? Is the podcast bad? Mm. But people listen to it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter can, what you think. It just matters what, what people, people are yeah. consuming. And I think that's, that's kind of where we get into the problem here is how much of this IP was barstool, and their marketing Death Star, and how much was it Sophia and Alex? Mm. 
because now Alex is out on her own, right? Right. With, uh, as they called him, Suit Man, the guy who was an executive <laughs> yeah. who, you know, was trying to negotiate this crazy deal for her, which it sounds like she wanted to leave Barstool regardless. Yes. And who is going to hire her? Is she going to get her own deal for a show somewhere? Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, there's a, probably a toxicity around her brand if you're a major player. Mm-hmm. And that's the rough part of working for a Barstool Sports. They're known for raunchy, sex jokes, yeah. edginess. Who else does that that will pay you a lot of money? Mm-hmm. So I had a question. With their initial deal, Barstool owned the IP um, at least for the three-year period. Um, so they were kind of, in a sense, hosts of a show that Barstool owned, even though they created the show. Um, is that a normal type of deal for an outside podcast coming to a bigger company? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Unless you know you have gold and you you know are really coming from a place of strength, mm-hmm. what you make is owned by the company that pays you. Right. So like when I worked at a, at a startup that was a media startup, mm-hmm. I made hundreds of videos and I was on podcasts and, you know, I wrote stuff for them. They own all of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, although I kept stuff for, you know, the private viewing of portfolio, right. like it's up to them if they want to chuck it in the trash, if they want to option it. I mean, mm-hmm. I knew several guys who wrote amazing things mm-hmm. that got a lot of acclaim and the uh, CEO of the company would not allow them to try and option it for film rights. Right. So all that's right. like 30 grand right there. He's essentially saying, no, 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 no. I own this. Hmm. You don't own this. So if I want to option it, I'll think about it, hmm. and you'd get a percentage based on whatever your contract is. Gotcha. But you can't shop it around. And that's really standard in, for like most of the industry. Like you have to be pretty, in you have to be pretty established and also savvy enough to have uh, essentially a lawyer in on your contract. And that's hmm. kind of where these these two women were when all this went down. Is that. They had brought in lawyers because they finally had the money to because they right. did well. So it's it's you know it's like a it's a cycle. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to you have to do well to have the money to get a lawyer to get more money to have better contract negotiations to get right. X Y and Z. Right. So I guess kind of moving on in the storyline, um, they wanted out. They began kind of cryptically, you know, hinting to fans that there was some ill will between themselves and Barstool. They stopped uploading the podcast and eventually the, uh, were able to come to a decision to have a meeting with Dave Portnoy. Um, and this is called the rooftop meeting in all of this stuff online where Dave Portnoy off. He says that he offered them $500,000 around that for both of them, a little more for Sophia, and 100% of the IP after three years. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that offer that he gave them? That's a golden deal. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's so golden, it shines and it makes my eyes hurt. (laughs) And it's just like, it's like in Pulp Fiction when you open the suitcase. And it's just, it's wonderful. And that's why I think when you go to the root of it, uh, it sure seems like Alex just didn't want to be at Barstool. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. I get that. Right. Barstool has a work culture that's very, 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 very different from a traditional work culture at even mm-hmm. major media entities or whatever. There's, you know, uh, it's very freewheeling. Mm-hmm. It's also there's sort of a limited ceiling, if you right. get what I'm saying here, that mm-hmm. you're at Barstool, right? 
Right. Unless you can go somewhere else, you'll always be thought of as that, oh, you're that barstool per- person. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never going to be, and I wish I could, you know, I wish I was on camera here. I'm doing quote marks in the air. It's like, <laughs> legit. I'll do, I'll do them for um, you. All right. Oh, great. There right. we go. There we go. But, uh, and especially because she was uh, dating Suitman, who I believe worked for HBO. Yep. She probably was trying to make that jump from essentially a niche podcaster to a potential uh, celebrity in her own right, right? Mm-hmm. She wanted to be maybe on TV. She maybe right. wanted to be a talk show host. Mm-hmm. And these are natural progressions uh, that are difficult to attain, but what you'd want to do if you're becoming famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that she gan- – I think Dave in his uh, his video, he was really right. She gambled. She mm-hmm. tried, and she lost. And I – she can sue him, but I think that they would win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean she she's under contract at this point. There's not really much she can do, right, to, to overcome um, this? Well, the, what she would have to do at this point mm-hmm. um, is essentially – separate her own brand from Barstool through her own Instagram or whatever and rebuild that audience, mm. which is so hard. Right. She has to get these people who are invested in her, you know, call her daddy. Like, you know, they're like, what were they called? The fathers? Like that was right. like, you yep, know, thing. the fathers. She has to get all that is the intellectual property. So she has to essentially start not quite from scratch because she now does have name recognition mm. and like Google search recognition. Right. But she has to convince these people to follow her once she has left that uh, safe, warm, nurturing, already built home. Mm-hmm. And she has to build a new one. And right. I could definitely see her getting, you know, through her, her you know, boyfriend or through her own agent or whatever, mm-hmm. some sort of bit roles. Maybe she'll try to start her own podcast about the subjects. Mm-hmm. There is no guarantee in media that it will succeed. Right. It is very, you know, I'd say statistically, unless she is a talent like no other that we are just like not looking at. Right. She may have struck gold with this podcast mm-hmm. and it's a one hit wonder and she'll never make anything you'll ever hear of again. Right. So I guess I have a question more generally to like the entertainment industry. Now we, we see a lot of creators who come to these companies, Buzzfeed, IGN, you know, Buzzfeed with the try guys, IGN with kind of funny, for example, where the establish themselves, you know, in whatever genre of YouTube or, you know, video game journalism, and they are able to spin off into their own thing. How are companies kind of handling that now where they're making almost internet celebrities or stars how who can eventually leave and do their own thing? And how is the IP valued against, you know, the actual people hosting the various shows? That is a very good question. And that is, uh, you know, that is almost the question right now Mm -hmm. uh, in media as far as talent negotiations go. And it's, I mean, it's so complex. And a lot of it has to do with the content creators themselves, Mm -hmm. how capable they are. And there's sort of like this threshold where when does a content creator no longer need the resources provided by these larger companies like a BuzzFeed or a Vox or whatever. Mm. And also if you're a content creator, a, you want to make content. So if you're, if you're slowed down in any way by these big entities, you will get bored. You will Mm. want to do something else. Right. And B, and 
this is the biggest one, I think, especially during our current economic recession. Mm. If you're a content creator and you know you're good at something, you're getting paid by a big company, you want to diversify your income streams Mm. and you want to diversify your audience. So I know at least of one uh, big time player for Vox who does um, Vox Borders, I think. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, I'm I'm just doing this off of my my back of the envelope math slash my brain, just Mm -hmm. what I've seen. It could be totally different now. There was a moment where he started his own YouTube channel, uh, which was in part to teach people how to do what he did for Vox. Mm. And I'm sure he had to negotiate in his contract with them that he could do that because it was separate from Vox. Mm. And he was a talent for them. Now, why I thought that was a really shrewd move on his part, a really good move, is because being a content creator at a major organization is usually not something that lasts very long. Right. I know it's, it's similar to like an NFL star. In the NFL, the average career length is like four years, right? Mm-hmm. You have people filter in and out of Vice, of Vox, of BuzzFeed who are there, who are on camera, who are talent, mm-hmm. and they get treated really well in that period. And then one day there's layoffs. Right. One day there's a recession. Something happens. Mm-hmm. You're on the street. You're trying to get hired by another major corporation or mm-hmm. whatever. And your only other recourse usually during that period of time is to do your own thing and hope it gets monetized. Right. So building your brand while you still still are on contract with the Vox or Vice is important. Those companies don't like it that oh, you're trying not. to do this yeah. stuff on your own. Yeah. And that's I think a, you know a, a source of tension, but also you've had something like that forever uh, mm. in, in other industries where people are celebrities or famous or whatever. Yeah. So as a I don't know someone who's sort of haphazardly super deep in the podcast game uh i am wondering for someone to get to a stage or an organization uh like barstool sports uh recognizes them as a talent and wants to incorporate them what is you know uh a reasonable path to something like that is there a you know classic uh, method of approach that has been used or is it just kind of like lightning in a bottle every single time do we just start saying we're sponsored by squarespace <laughs> i don't i don't think squarespace would like that fleshlight um fleshlight might be fine with it <laughs> i hear they're great i hear they're the best um oh yeah because they're the like, better than the real thing so all right. Well, Sophia and Alex, they were like a meteoric rise, but that's not common, I guess. So what would be the the way people generally get into this situation? So I'm going to – so as a personal example, mm-hmm. one of the Barstool people who I knew, um, they had essentially started out being just like really witty on Twitter, right? Right. Mm. So – this person in particular was not an uncommon story. They mm. were in college. Uh, they were very active on Twitter. They like giving hot takes. Mm. And this, of course, eventually, uh, which which is the uh, democratizing, and I, I may have fucked up saying however that's pronounced, the democratizing aspect of social media and Twitter in, mm-hmm. in particular is you can interact with people who are much more famous than you. Right. Mm. And if they like you, that can lead to things. So... Right. Barstool, you know, wants people who are witty, who have hot takes, who uh, can essentially get that social media boost. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to get super nerdy here. Please do. There's a book called Like War. It's Mm -hmm. wonderful. It talks about social media dynamics. If you make a hard stance on something, 
like I hate all Indian food or <laughs> I only will buy a Toyota. Mm. You know, every other car is garbage and fucking terrible. Right. That is going to do well. Mm. If you say something nuanced, which is what most of life is, is nuance. Right. It doesn't do well. And mm. there is a viral, you know, that's when you know, we have the word viral. It is mm. like a virus when something, you know, is a hot take. That causes outrage, mm-hmm. which is the best way to spread things. It does so well. Right. So mm-hmm. essentially, if you have a person like that in college or, you know, even not in college, just like a 19, 20-year-old, and they're really good at it. Mm-hmm. They've sort of conquered that system that we all see Donald Trump do on a regular <laughs> basis. Right. Then they get noticed. And this person got noticed uh, by someone who ran one of the podcasts at Barstool. Mm-hmm. So initially, they got paid essentially like a part-time employee. Mm-hmm. And as they grew more famous, eventually they managed to leverage a contract at a bar stool. And now that's made them even more famous because now they have bar stool behind them like, you know, a thousand percent. Mm. I don't know where that leads, like if that goes to somewhere else or if that mm. person's happy. It doesn't matter. But the point being, they went from, you know, Joe Schmo in Ohio doing a podcast to right. I am verified on Twitter and have, <laughs> you know, 80,000 followers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's how that works. So. That's like if you're coming out of nowhere. If you came to Barstool with a prepackaged thing to mm-hmm. sell them, I don't know. I mean, it's almost it feels like if you were in like in the nineties and you made a mixtape and you're trying to like you know, like that episode of Entourage where they leave the mixtape in what they think is the record, you know, yeah. executive's car. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like that, where it's kinda like a crapshoot, because everyone has a SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. You know? Um I have two. Everyone has a podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> I have two. I mean, in a way, right. <laughs> you know, it's which isn't a bad thing. Like, mm. I mean, the wonderful podcasts pop up and maybe become beloved over time. And there is that potential that you will get paid well mm. if it does well. Um, so that's, I guess, the long and short of it is find your controversial corner. Find out who your audience is. Like mm. if, you know, you were the artiest film school, you know, undergrad and you are so nerdy about that just dominate just dominate that niche and Mm -hmm. make sure you tell everyone you just go look if you like anything by tarantino you're a goddamn piece of shit (laughs) and that will do so well Mm -hmm. you know you will become that you know person and the downside is is that then you kind of have to own it like right now the call her daddy girl like sophia seems like a very nuanced uh intelligent individual who of course according to some of her bio and podcasts has made poor decisions Mm -hmm. She can't really show off that nuance in the podcast, right? People expect raunchy, dirty, and vulgar. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it's it's the ups and downs of it. But right. you kind of have to find your corner and just live in it. Right. You are who you pretend to be. So pretend to be yeah. who you want to be. So the rooftop deal doesn't go through because Alex is advised to not take it. Sophia wants to take it because, as you said, it's a golden shimmering deal so this is where a breakdown between the two girls comes in this is where like stuff really pops off dave portnoy takes control of their feed and uh does an episode explaining the situation sophia uploads her side of the story on her youtube channel and eventually it comes out that um sophia is coming back to barstool with i think 75 percent ownership of the ip it's pretty insane. I listened to the episode that she just put out, mm. which is her solo. And I hope that she will bring another co-host in. 
right. she pitched the idea of like bringing in like her audience members and more mm. interviews. That the show awful, works with yeah. two people. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry about that. Keep going. No, I was just saying bringing in random untested people sounds like a recipe for disaster. No, no. I mean, I think that's fine. It's just that mm. similar to right now, you need a host and a co-host to really bounce a uh, pop culture, a, you know, sort of contemporary youth podcast. Mm. If mm. you have one person, like, I mean, listening to it today, I mean, yeah, it's interesting to me because of the drama, mm. but it felt like the wisp, you know, of the fumes and the engine of that whole thing, right? Yeah. Like, they can only get you so far. So hearing her complain about this stuff and call Alex, you know, horrible names and, <laughs> you know, discuss it, oh, it, it was kind of stale in that podcast. Mm. So I think without someone else to go back and forth with, the podcast really, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to get canceled or something. I mean, maybe, who knows, but mm. it needs another person to really move it forward. And I think Dave Portnoy is smart enough that he will push that. Right. Well, you know, it's happened many a times, you know, with uh, you get a almost like a power couple that's engaging and entertaining for some reason. There's something about their dichotomy, right? Mm. And when that's lost you know, well, think of it like give me you know duos anyone that's a duo you got yeah. Colin and Greg from out kind of funny before they broke up very very niche but yeah. sure. Uh, sure yes there's these two video games once uh, I figured uh, keep going with it no no but as an example I guess the two video game journalists were identified as a power couple almost they had a podcast that was huge uh, years down the road very emotional breakup all across public social media. It's, it's, uh, oh man, it is, it is heavy, Russ. Let me tell you. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of, kind of similar to this situation. Yeah. Almost. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, I, I have no idea. As a, <laughs> I am a bit of a nerd, but I'm also mm-hmm. like a bit of an iconoclast in that mm-hmm. I don't delve as much into this stuff as I probably would have if I right. was, you know, podcasts really existed when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough sometimes when you lose half of the team. Mm-hmm. That being said, Sophia comes off as very intelligent to me. She mm-hmm. seems like she knows what she's doing. Uh, oh, side note. Yes. Uh, one thing I related to with all of this, when I was in undergrad and shortly after, mm-hmm. uh, I lived in a place I called Trash House. Right. And Trash House was a fantastic adventure mm-hmm. of... Uh, excess and you know art and you know just trying to get laid it was just all around just a really weird thing in my 20s that i did and i had a really good friend at that time um and you know we did all this crazy shit together wild stuff happened his car got stolen you know there was drugs involved like all sorts of crazy stuff right and (laughs) nick cave didn't get paid one time it was the whole thing so (laughs) so basically uh we had a falling out um over uh this like I wish I was even kidding here. And again, I'm glad I have a pseudonym pseudonym (laughs) being used for this portion. So he posted a photo of a person that we were mutual friends with that involved a knife with a swastika on it. And I told him to like, take it down. I was like, this is bullshit. You know, you're going to fuck that person's life over, you know, they were on LSD, like there's a whole thing. (laughs) And he didn't. And essentially our friendship ended. Right. right? Yeah, that's big. And what sucks about that is you know similar to the Sophia Alex like oh no our friendship which was worth so much mm. is that together you create these amazing stories that you both delved into during these adventurous times which mm. Sophia and Alex were basically showing off their early 20s adventures right yeah. 
and especially as relatively poor people in New York, which now they can't really, you know, <laughs> Sophia can't claim to at yeah. least. So there is the potential that the well is dry, that they were living off of these amazing sorority girl fumes, you know, mm. Florida cocaine, you know, boys, like people who are executives, like let's talk about all this shit. And now Sophia has to essentially start anew with someone else. Mm -hmm. So if she's really smart, she'll do it. But, you know, we'll see, right? right. It, it's, you know, the future is uncertain. It's a hard. I mean, that's what they always say about bands, right? Like, or musical artists. The first album so inspired because they're trying to come up from nothing. And then you don't have so much good stories or substance to your music when you're rich and... You, you know, well, you're out of touch with the I mean, person. Imagine if uh, Radiohead coming out of college had, mm. you know, broken up and right. the lead singer had said, I'm going to do a solo album. Mm. It might have gone absolutely nowhere, regardless of his talent. Right. Because mm -hmm. that was what really that cohesive group did it. Or um, Queen's a good example of this. Or uh, Oasis, right? Liam mm. Gallagher and his brother and mm. all that crap. Like their solo acts have done okay, mm. but nowhere near the same as when they were together. Right. So, yes, this is the oasis of podcasts. Right. Yeah. About think, women and sex. Thank you. I think 100% you're the first person to make that comparison. Like, I would put a lot of money on that. Um, so, I guess I've always been curious. What Dave Portnoy, he's really popular online. He has a attitude of, like, I don't give a shit. I am who I am. I'm going to be successful no matter what. I'm going to claw my way to the top heart attack survivor heart attack survivor you know yeah, yeah. he's you know he's just he's dave portnoy what and you kind of talked a little bit about people having their reputation somewhat changed once they are part of barstool and trying to move on what uh what is dave portnoy's reputation in like the the industry if you will so this might be a bit uh, too far away from what I do to really say, oh, this is what he's known for or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not like, I mean, I wish. I'm not hanging out with the Spit and Chicklets guys uh, mm -hmm. who are the, you know, only Surprise. podcasts I really care about. Right. I mean, hey, and I, I run in the hockey circles, so they, mm -hmm. they get talked about quite a bit. I, but, um, I bet, yeah. I mean, the one thing about Dave Portnoy mm -hmm. is he is a shrewd businessman. Oh, of course. He yeah. is obviously a bit... In, you know, I, I'm not going to say insane, but he, he has a wild streak to him mm. that you don't generally see in a media executive, you know, mm. quote unquote, or whatever you would count him as. Mm. And that has led him from being a guy in Boston who just wanted to, you know, talk about the Pats and how, you know, mm. awesome, you know, the Pats are to yeah. being a guy who's pretty wealthy you know, and doing really well in his own thing. Yeah, I believe he said um, he has unlimited money on Twitter a few times. Well, Don't want to fact check it, that, but... Well, the sleaze part of it is that Barstool says things that are not politically correct, yes. right? Uh, that was their yeah. origin, and as things have become more politically correct in America, which, mm -hmm. you know, isn't a bad thing, mm -hmm. Barstool has relatively stayed the course mm -hmm. of being who they are, which is a bunch of Southies who like to, like, you know, drink beers and you know, say things that are, you know, politically incorrect or right. whatever. Yeah. And, and that's why I think he might get the reputation among, you know, the snooty media elite that he's, mm. um, you know, I'm literally holding my nose up as I like say that, <laughs> right. who think that they are above him. Right. Mm. Which gives him more fuel because his fan base feels the same thing from those same coastal elites. Right. Like, you know, it, almost saying that they don't exist mm. because they 
say things that are politically incorrect because they, you know, think a different way. And that is why he's done so well. Like when like the Daily Beast reaches out for comment and he says, I know who you are. Go fuck yourself. That's incredibly Dave Portnoy. And also his audience understands that and they Mm. like it. Yeah. I mean, I see it and I think that's awesome. Mm. I mean, you know, I mean, not to just say everything he does is great, but, you know, the fact that, you know, you can tell someone to go fuck themselves Mm -hmm. is, is wonderful as a president. Now there are legitimate criticisms of Barstool criticisms of what he's done. uh, Certain aspects of content creation and DMCA stuff. Like uh, last year, there was a controversy about the Barstool chicks, similar to like call her daddy's domain, Mm -hmm. um, reposting a video without giving uh, proper um, credit to the artist, uh, the comedian in LA. And that became a whole big kerfluffle mm. uh, where misogyny was accused mm. and there was a lot of stuff involved, like her shoes, you know, allegedly harassed. Um, so, you know, it's not like all sparkles and sunshine, mm. uh, but Portnoy is a savvy person who has embraced his Southie side to success. And, mm. you know, how could you look at that and say, oh, no, you should have gone straight and, you know, in the media industry and, right. you know, been quiet and made less money and been less successful? Mm. Like, no, he is who he is. And it's done. He's done very well at it. Minus the heart attack. Right. Probably, yeah. What was it? Cocaine related? Uh, I, I, no, I don't want to speculate and get him mad at us on Twitter somehow. Because, you know, he's the type of person who would find a no name. If podcast he got to mad, mad at, at you, you on Twitter, it would be mm. the best thing to happen to this podcast. That's true. Uh, unless you have unless you have horrible skeletons in the closet. Mm-hmm. So then what happens is the Barstool audience, again, audience, not traffic. Right. They care about when you talk shit to their podcast. Mm-hmm. They would probably go through your entire life history trying to find some <laughs> fault with you to like blow yeah. up. And, you know, like it turned out that, you know, Liam, you know, used to you know, do weird things in his underwear, you know, mm. after school on the football field. Like, just I mean, they, like they would find someone to say that yeah. or whatever. Always there was another football incident. Practice. It was just pretty selfish. Man. I was well, they're, most yeah. valuable player on that team. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our high school team wasn't good. Um, they were better when I was around. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. And we're, you know, we don't want any beef with the bar stool. The, the stoolies, I think they're called. Can I mention something? Yeah, obviously. The only real skeleton in my closet mm-hmm. are all the times I've done cocaine with Mr. Port- Portnoy. Well, I think you'd be okay there. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, the only problem, the only thing is... No, me, well, I'm saying me, what, me and Mr. Portnoy, Portnoy mm-hmm. uh, go way back. Okay. I actually showed him the cocaine that would eventually cause his heart problems. Oh, okay. Um, That's interesting. That's no, no, it's... Uh, it's uh, He's just one of those people. It's got that magnetic personality, you know. God probably tried to stop his heart because he knew how powerful he was and was <laughs> worried about the growing influence he was uh, developing. Mm. Uh, yeah. He looked at him and was like, "I gotta, I gotta, I gotta give him a heads up." Yeah. But Portnoy got check him a little bit. Fought that off. Yeah. All with his basic biology. I mean, the one thing. Sorry. The one thing about the Barstool guys in that sense, like if you went after Dave Portnoy and said, you're a cokehead, (laughs) the main thing is that what he would do, and again, this is again alleged, I have no idea if Dave Portnoy does cocaine, I don't really care, like I mean, it's a free-ish country and that's illegal, but maybe he does it, I don't know. Right, we're not saying. Basically, if you came at him and said, you do cocaine, you horrible misogynist, (laughs) what would happen is that the stoolies and maybe some of his followers and friends would try to figure out 
that you also did the same things to show that you are a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. And that is generally the barstool reaction to being attacked is they mm -hmm. go and they say, okay, well, you're calling us out for our shit. Mm -hmm. We're going to call you out for your shit. Right. right. And there is something to be said about how, you know, morally is that okay, mm -hmm. but it's just how they operate, yeah. you know? And part of that is sort of a victim thing where it's like, you know, Oh, I'm just some Southie and, mm -hmm. you know, I like to talk shit about whatever. And you're going to come out here and tell me I'm an asshole. Well, it turns out that in the eighth grade, you were a horrible piece of shit and I have your permanent record. Right. That's the barstool way. It's always and, be mean, on the attack. Never defend what's coming at you. Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, I, at the same time, I get it. It's mm -hmm. like that usually what it is is that Barstool, their podcast and their audience are enjoying their corner of, you know, toxic waste. And someone from outside the toxic waste pool points at them and says, see, these are the horrible people. Mm -hmm. So everyone looks at them and says, OK, well, fuck you. You know, like yeah. we're here having a good time. Like, why are you trying to mess with our good time? Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, completely in my like. I hate the idea of doxing. I don't like that stuff. I don't like when they go after people, mm -hmm. but I get it. If you're a moralizer and you go after them and then they come back at you with something, like, what did you think was going to happen? Right. All right. So Liam had to leave. But, uh, yeah, we're yeah. going to fo go forward. Um, so could, we t could you talk a little bit about um, the decision to make this move to challenge Barstool and get out of their contracts, you know, in a time where there is an economic recession um, and it may not be the best time to be making power moves like this. Okay. So one thing I really, you know, I, I, I don't like, mm -hmm. and that, you know, I've seen thrown around a lot is the idea that they were getting out of their contract. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you saw that pushed a little bit by some of the stoolies, you know, the barstool right. fans and maybe some others. And there is this weird, weird thing uh where some people say oh it's a contract you know you mm. guys shook hands and you know you gotta take what you take right and that is just not true in the media <laughs> environment especially right. when they were realistically underpaid initially mm. um you know it's not like this is a situation where it's like the national women's soccer team where they were offered the same deal as the men and they said no because they wanted more uh benefits and a continuity of pay mm. um right i mean not to get all into a sports realm with this, you know, these guys, oh, sorry, gals were on a contract and at a point where they were eligible for a renegotiation mm -hmm. and they were pushing for it to have a better contract with Barstool that more reflected the value they brought to the brand mm -hmm. and the company. And that's the thing. If you succeed in a business like this and you bring in money, mm -hmm. you bet you should ask for more money. Right. Like not asking for money is a terrible, terrible, mm -hmm. terrible idea. Because sometimes that money dries up and sometimes fame is fleeting, as mm -hmm. Alex maybe is finding out. Yeah. Um, so no, I think that's super yeah, important. Because like you said, it is sorry. a prevailing narrative that they were trying to get out of their contract. Whereas you're saying they were at a point where they should be renegotiating and they were eligible to renegotiate. Right. And that's where some of that uh, nuance lives is that it seemed like during the renegotiations and during the rooftop meeting and beyond mm – -hmm. Alex wanted to get out from under Barstool mm -hmm. uh, or have a way out where she would have some of the intellectual property rights which she could shop around, mm -hmm. right? Which I get, but also the deal they were offered was so amazing. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, why wouldn't you want to just run the length of that deal? Then you own the intellectual property rights and mm -hmm. you're making half a million plus incentives. Right. She 
in my head, this is me, you know, guessing if I yeah, was this person and this was offered to me, mm-hmm. it sounded like she just really wanted to get away from Barstool. Mm-hmm. She did not want to be with the company. She didn't like the culture. Um, and she was trying to get out of it with her intellectual property rights, which she could then sell to someone else. And I'm sure her boyfriend who was experienced in this stuff was also sort of helping this along. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm sure it really sucks for him right now. Like I'm sure <laughs> it is not a great time. Uh, when they yeah. hang out, yeah, and he's lucky there's a quarantine right now. It provided they don't live yeah. together. Well, I don't know if they live together, yeah. but if they do, then that's a rough quarantine. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a situation where a lot of negotiations, and especially in media, which is a very high profile thing, are are a bit of like gambling, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like we mentioned earlier, when Portnoy said, hey, you tried, you gambled, you lost, yep. like walk away, that's what you should do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alex tried hard to get paid absolutely astronomical numbers, mm-hmm. and she kind of wanted to sort of fuck over Sophia, mm-hmm. and it exploded in her face. And it, again, it really does suck because it sounds like those two were friends, and mm-hmm. this was like a thing they brought up together, and blah, 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 blah. But... It has effectively money has effectively ruined their friendship. And yes. some people, you know, pitched it as like, you know, their whole thing of like, no, let a man come between you or whatever. And it was a man that came between them. Mm. I don't know if I buy into that as much. I think that they both had different ideas of where this was going, mm. you know, as a podcast, as, you know, a duo. And money really is like the root of all evil. Mm. <laughs> and in, Alex got greedy. Right. Alex got greedy. And Sophia also had the technical skills as the editor that really gave her a boost too. Mm-hmm. And she was like Portnoy said, she was the one who picked up the phone and said, Hey, some fucky shit's going on. Mm. I like the deal. I don't know what's going on. And they said, okay. So they cut her out. Mm. Um, yeah. So I don't know how that lawsuit's going to go. I, I mean, if there is a lawsuit, right. I think that Sophia has an uphill battle rebuilding the podcast. Mm. Um, and Barstool got a lot of publicity during a really tough pandemic. Yes. Which makes this all even worse. Um, yeah, hopefully, again, you edit out all my ums as I <laughs> as I think out loud. But listen, no, no one that, but is yeah. going to call you on ums. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I know. The, the I substance like I'm, that I'm you're providing is into so, the, into the wind. so but, great that um, people are not going to care about ums. It's, it's a shit situation mm-hmm. where I think Alex thought her value was higher than it actually is. And Sophia had a much more realistic view mm. of her worth as a person and as an employee. Right. And there's something to be said for trying to get as much money as you can. Mm. But there's a point where you're just being greedy. Mm. And I think Alex got a bit greedy and it just ended up, you know, capsizing her own boat. Mm. And Sophia managed to paddle away to safety and the future is untold. For all I know, Alex is the next uh, Kardashian or something. Right. And she will leverage this into fame and money and mm. business deals. But judging from how this played out, unless she learns a big lesson, I think that it's going to be tough moving forward. So I guess um, in your professional opinion, what do you think is the next step for the show and for Barstool and then I guess for – Alex, I guess if you were Alex, what would you do? And if you were Dave Portnoy slash Sophia, what would you do? 
Um, so I think Sophia in the newest iteration of the podcast did something smart where she doubled down mm. on basically showing the audience uh, some love. So she doubled down on showing the audience some love. She mentioned having an audience member on every week, uh, expanding things like that, and how she's going to have a whole slate lined up of people to interview and to talk to. Mm. Uh, my only concern is, again, I don't think it works as well, just her by herself. Right. And the other concern and this is, you know, something that was brought up when people saw how much money they were making. Is a lot of their stuff was predicated on being, you know, two broke girls in New York who are mm -hmm. in their 20s and, you know, trying to make it. Right. Well, now she's made it. Mm -hmm. So she can't really rely on that shtick that well. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, she's smart. I think she'll overcome that. I think she'll probably find someone else to bounce against mm -hmm. uh, verbally. Um and Barstool, again, is a very experienced company in producing podcasts and mm -hmm. situations like this. It's like if a Picasso gets ripped in half, I I'd rather have, you know, Dave Portnoy painting this than say if it was like, you know, two women on their own who mm -hmm. had torn a Picasso in half. Right. Like he will he will fiendishly find a way <laughs> to to make something out of this uh, horrible barn fire mm -hmm. that has been their contract negotiations. Right. and. Again, he wouldn't have signed with her if he didn't see talent, see potential, see a way to make his money back. Mm -hmm. Like they're not just giving them half a million dollars or giving her half a million dollars plus incentives, mm -hmm. although that could have changed because of the situation that changed. Um, they're doing it because they expect a return that's much higher than that, mm -hmm. right? Uh, which I don't know what that is. I can only go by public stuff I see. I hope, you know, what is this? What is that? I mean, Dave's smart. He was selling merch. You know, it was like, see you on Wednesday, bitches, or whatever it was, like, the second after she did her vlog. Mm -hmm. They they know what they're doing, but as this pandemic goes on, as the recession, you know, gets a little worse, maybe it'll rebound. There is potential that, you know, money could get tight in places. Mm -hmm. And that's going a little bit in the nitty-gritty of business of it. Right. But I think Sophia will probably be okay in the short term. In the long term, it's very foggy. It depends on how the audience reacts. And again, I think Alex is uh, not in the worst place ever, but it's in a much tougher spot than she should have been in. Yeah. No, definitely. So I guess I don't really have any more questions. I do want to just thank you so much for taking the time on a Friday night to come talk shop with us and... This is normally the point where I'm like, do you have anything you want to promote? But I don't think that's necessarily a good <laughs> no for, uh, for this. So uh, I'm good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's um, you know, it's fun to do these things. Uh, you know, I like I like talking about this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's really just the podcast world is is fascinating. It's a fascinating ecosystem. Right. You know, I love that you guys are doing one. Um, I'm glad that I could come on and talk and. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I can't wait to hear what the final product looks like. Yeah, Rusty, thank you so much for coming on. Open invitation. Whenever you want to talk about something going on in the podcast industry, let us know. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of things because this podcast stuff, it just never stops. I mean, Joe Rogan just signed like a $100 million deal with Spotify. So things, things are crazy all the time. 
Uh, Liam is and I'd love to back. be back. So uh, thank you for having me on, and uh, see you guys again, hopefully sometime soon. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for checking out the show. If you want to see more, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, search where you get podcasts, or check us out on iTunes. Search Better Radio. The main channel, of course, is youtube.com slash wickedeverything. We're on Twitch at twitch.tv slash wickedeverything. You can find me on Twitter at the fake BMR. Liam, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm at Real Liam Marr on Twitter. And you can find the channel on Twitter at WEverything, on Instagram at WeGoodEverything, and on TikTok for some reason. Just search WeGoodEverything. Until next time, thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you in the next one. All right.